For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning, I want to preach on CRT. Hang in there with me. It's not what you're thinking. But in this time of deep division, political polarization, and racial tension, CRT is our only hope at real unity. CRT is something that is so important that we must teach it to our children. CRT, if accepted, can fundamentally change society. St. Paul was a theologian of CRT. Now you're probably wondering what is this CRT you're talking about? CRT. CRT, this is what Paul is preaching about. CRT is Christian reconciliation theology. This is at the heart of Paul's gospel. This is at the heart of the gospel, reconciliation. And this is what Paul is preaching to us this morning. This is what Paul wants the church to hear. You want to talk about CRT? Great. So does Paul. He wants to talk about Christian reconciliation theology. This is indeed our only hope for all the divisions that we're experiencing. This is where the focus has to be. It has to be focused. Our attention has to be set on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, the Messiah, is our peace. In a world of hostility, he is our peace. Jesus, the Messiah, is the only hope of reconciliation in a divided, polarized humanity. The only hope of reconciliation between a humanity that is separated from one another and the only hope, more importantly, of a humanity that is separated from God. Jesus, the Messiah, is our hope. And there is wonderful news. There is good news. There can be unity between humanity and between humanity and God. And Paul has been transformed himself by this message And he wants the church to be reminded of this message. And he wants the world to know that this is where true hope is. True hope for reconciliation. Paul in Ephesians 2, he is emphasizing, he's preaching this message of reconciliation. That there can be true reconciliation between groups that have been estranged. And here in this case, Jews and Gentiles. And Jesus, the Christ, Jesus, the Messiah... We who were estranged from God can be reconciled to God through the Messiah. And in being reconciled to God through the Messiah, we can be reconciled to one another, Jew and Gentile, every tribe, tongue and nation. This is the hope that the gospel brings. It is a message of reconciliation. This is Christian reconciliation theology. Secular ideologies that seek to understand human division and right wrongs can only go so far. And the irony is often these ideologies create more division, create more hostility. So what are we to do? We need hope for a real and deep and thorough reconciliation. And that only comes through the gospel. This is what Jesus has come to do. He has come to unite all things in heaven and on earth, as we saw last week in Ephesians 1. 
and in uniting all things that have been torn apart, ripped apart by sin. He unites us to the Father. And in Christ, in himself, he unites us with all of our differences, cultural or otherwise, he unites us to one another. This reconciliation theology that Paul is preaching, it comes through the person of peace, Jesus. And in our epistle lesson today, Paul, he is unpacking this Christian reconciliation theology. Jesus, the Messiah, he says, is our peace. He comes to make peace. And I want us to look at a couple of images that we have here in this passage, images of the peacemaking work of Christ. And that is a new humanity. Because Christ has made peace, there is a new humanity in him. This is an image that we have. But there's also another image that he lands on at the end of this passage, and that is a holy temple, a holy temple made up of this new humanity. So let's walk through this passage here. Jesus, Paul says in verse 17 of Ephesians 2, preached peace to those who are far and to those who are near. If you're listening to the Old Testament reading, Paul is picking up on this language of those who are far off, those who are near. Peace has come to both. This prophecy of Isaiah is in the background here when we hear the prophet saying, I create the fruit of the lips, peace, peace to him who is far off and to him who is near. Now, Paul is taking this prophecy and he's applying it to the Gentiles. The Gentiles are those who are far off. The Jews, in this case, are those who are near. But through the Messiah, both are being brought in. Both are being brought in to fellowship with Yahweh. Both are being brought into fellowship with one another. Those who are near and those who are far. Now, there's a problem, though, for Gentiles. And Paul is very clear about this. He's saying, talking here in this case in verse 11 to the Gentiles in the church, he's saying, look, Gentiles, you need to know something. You need to remember that you were alienated. You were on the outside of the commonwealth of Israel. You, you were strangers to the covenant promises, those covenant promises being made all the way back to Abraham and his family. You were on the outside of that. And he turns the screws even tighter. He says, you were having no hope in the world and without God. Before all this, he says, you were apart from the Messiah. Now, of course, all of this changes, right, through what the Messiah has done. But he wants them to know that they were, we were, indeed outsiders to this covenantal promise. Now, a little unpacking here might help. God's plan has always been to bless the nations. God's plan has always been to bring this universal blessing, this universal hope of salvation to all peoples. But it is always taken on a particular form. And it comes through a particular people, the Jewish people. So back in Genesis chapter 12, God calls this man Abraham and he says to you and your family, I will bring my blessing. You will be the exclusive bearers of this blessing. You will be my people. But in you and through you, that blessing will come to all the nations. There is a priority here for the Jewish people, for Israel. They are the bearers of the promise. They are the bearers of the covenantal blessings. It's through this particular people that salvation can come through the world. And Paul, still very much a good Jew here, he tells the Gentiles, you've got to be brought into this family of Abraham. You've got to become united to this people. Yet how can that happen? Here's how. Verse 13. 
But now in Christ Jesus. So Christ, whenever you see Christ, think the Jewish Messiah. It's not Jesus' last name. But now in the Messiah, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Christ. Why say blood here? Why emphasize the blood of Christ? It's referring to his sacrifice, his perfect sacrifice. In the old covenant, Jews maintained their relationship with Yahweh through what? Sacrifices and offerings that they would bring. But Jesus comes as the sacrifice to end all sacrifices for Jews and for Gentiles. The sacrifice doesn't just reconcile us to God, although that's the primary element here. This perfect sacrifice of Jesus makes peace. It's a peacemaking sacrifice between Jew and Gentile. Where there was hostility, now there is peace. How? How can that happen? On the cross, where Jesus sheds his blood as a sacrificial offering, he, Paul tells us, destroys the middle wall of partition, the hostility in his flesh, having rendered ineffective the law of commandments and the decrees. Now that's a mouthful. And it sounds a bit confusing just reading it like that. But there's a wall. There's hostility. And there's a law that somehow we're playing a part in keeping the Gentiles separate from the covenantal promises that God had given to the Jews. The wall. One of the things that's likely in view here is a literal wall that existed at the temple complex. It was constructed not too long, probably before this was written, within a century or so. We read about this in a a writer named Josephus. And it was a, a wall to keep the Gentiles kind of pinned in to their place. And if they were to go on the other side of that wall, there are some inscriptions that have been found that basically said, you cross this line under the pain of death. It was a wall that came to represent not just alienation, but it was a wall that came to represent something of hostility. And here's this word hostility or enmity. This refers to the relationship that existed between Jew and Gentile at this time. But it's also a reality that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter three. There is enmity in the world. There is enmity between humanity. Humanity is rebelled against God. There's enmity there. And there's enmity between Humans see this playing out in the early chapters of Genesis. There is hostility. This is what marks so much of the world. There's the wall, there's hostility, and then there's the law. And here we have to be careful. Christ does not abolish the law as if, well, that was a bad plan and we're just going to get rid of the law and try something different. No, Christ, we know, comes to bring the law to its ultimate purpose, to its fulfillment. The law, Paul says in another place, is good. Christ is the one who fulfills the law. And Paul is the one who says the law has a place, has its purpose. It is indeed good. The Torah, the law, it leads us to the Messiah. So what is Paul talking about here? I think there's an illustration of what Paul is getting at in the person of Peter in Acts chapter 10. Peter, knowing knowing the law, being a good Jew, he has this vision. And the result of this vision, he goes and visits a God-fearer, a Gentile. And he said to them in Acts 10, 28, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit any other nation. So you see there that kind of part of the law that was creating this separation, this distinction. But God has shown me 
that I should not call any person common or unclean. The law is good, but there are aspects of the law that now have been rendered inoperable or, or ineffective. They're, they're no longer in place. Laws of separation, laws of cleanliness and uncleanliness. These things had their place, but they also had become practiced in such a way that only accentuated the hostility and the separation between Jew and Gentile. But now those aspects of the law have been brought to a conclusion, have been rendered ineffective. So Christ, through his blood sacrifice on the cross, he tears down the barriers that have been built up between Jew and Gentile. What does this mean now? With these barriers removed, the Gentiles have a wide open highway to come near to Yahweh, to join the people of God, to be reconciled with the Lord, to be reconciled with the Jews, to be heirs of the covenant of promises, to no longer be strangers, to no longer be far off, but now to be brought near, part of the one family of God. Ephesians 2, 15 and 16, when he nullified or rendered inoperable that in his flesh, the law, the commandments, his decrees. He did this. Why did he do this? He did this to create in himself one new man, one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and to reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by which the hostility, the enmity has been killed. The one new man. This is the glorious picture of the new humanity that can only come about through the peacemaking work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The old humanity is marked by hostility, conflict, division, ethnic pride, dividing walls, racism, you name it. All of these things that mark the old humanity. This new humanity, it comes at a cost. It's purchased by the blood of the Prince of Peace. And this new humanity, though, because it comes through the peacemaking work of Christ, this new humanity is marked now by reconciliation, by true unity, by true peace. And Jesus, the Messiah, who comes to preach peace to Gentile and Jew, the far off and the near, he gives both to Jew and Gentile together access in one spirit, St. Paul says, to the Father. The peacemaking work of Christ, it unites Jew and Gentile together into one new humanity. Christ makes the two one. An illustration of this, I think, is marriage. In marriage, two different people, often with wildly different personalities, two different sexes, two different backgrounds, sometimes two different ethnic heritages. They come together in the covenant of marriage and they become one. In the language of scripture, they become one flesh. But that becoming one does not erase those differences that existed before. Those differences are still there. Those differences are still good. But they are united as one. They retain their individuality. The man remains a man. The woman remains a woman. Their differences remain, yes. But they are united in body, soul, mind, purpose. And for Christians, in mission. The new humanity is the church that has been made one, just like husband and wife are made one in marriage. In the church, this new humanity, Jew and Gentile, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, languages, 
have been made one. Those differences still remain. Those differences are still good. But in the church, this new humanity has been brought together, united, reconciled in Christ. So St. Paul says, so then you again, talking to the Gentiles here, you are no longer foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's households. So in the church, again, uh, Ugandans remain Ugandans. Americans remain Americans. Our ethnic, cultural, and language differences remain as God-given realities. And yet, we are reconciled together into this one new humanity. This is Christian reconciliation theology. And it is the fruit of the peacemaking work of Jesus Christ. So there's this image of the new humanity, which is immensely hopeful. And it comes at this high cost of sacrifice through the peacemaking work of Christ. But then there's another image that we have here. It's what this new humanity is being built up into. And that is Paul calls a holy temple. It's a construction project that's underway. It's not being built up with literal stones. But it's being built up with Jews and Gentiles and all of the ethnicities into this one new humanity. And Jesus, the Messiah, is the cornerstone and the one who is building this temple. He's the cornerstone of the project. And the apostles and prophets and their teachings, which we receive as authoritative, the apostles and prophets are the foundation. And we, the stones, Jew and Gentile, are being fitted together, built together into this glorious new temple that is being constructed. The temple in the Old Covenant, it was the place the dwelling place of Yahweh, of the Lord. The temple, it was the place of shalom, of peace, God's peace. And to offer a sacrifice in this old covenant situation would symbolically be being brought near. A sacrifice or an offering is something that is bringing near. It's bringing closer to the Lord because our sin has separated us from the Lord. So we need a sacrifice that brings us closer to the Lord. And a sacrifice would bring one near to God and it would represent peace. Peace that has come at the cost of shedding of blood. But now a worshiper can have peace with the Lord. This is what's in part going on at the temple. But there's also an offering that was instituted in the Old Covenant called a peace offering. And it would end, after a sequence of events, it would end with ordinary lay people, ordinary worshipers coming after they've offered their sacrifices. They would be brought near to the Lord. And it would end with a meal in the presence of the priest, in the presence of the Lord, in the presence of others, showing that there is peace, between God and man, between man and man. There is now peace. And how is that represented? It's represented by eating in God's presence. Jesus, the Messiah, is our blood sacrifice. He is our sin offering who brings us near. He brings us near to Yahweh. He is also our peace offering. And because of his work, we, his new humanity, are being built up As Paul says, a holy temple, we're being built up. Us, 
We are being built up as the dwelling place of God. This holy temple. It's a marvelous thing to consider. It should blow our minds. This should catch us off guard and shock us and mess with us. But this is what's happening in the world right now, even here this morning in this place. A new temple, a holy temple being built up, being fitted together with all of us and our differences. This new humanity built on the authoritative word of the apostles and the prophets, a dwelling place of God based on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our sin offering. And it's in this context. This is the place of reconciliation between humanity and God, between Jew and Gentile, every tribe, tongue and nation. We hear a lot about conversations that we should be having these days. Conversations around race and these divisions that are so in play around us. And those are important for us to engage critically, charitably, as Christians. But the most important conversation, the most courageous conversation, the most hopeful conversation that we can have is about the peacemaking work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That, especially as Christians, is a conversation we should be eager to be having and eager to be sharing with those around us. Conversations about this new humanity being built up as God's holy temple. And that reality, this reality of this holy temple, this new temple, uh, that we are indeed this new humanity in the Messiah, his holy temple, it's most realized, it's most felt, it's most experienced when we come to Jesus' table and we have a meal with him. In the presence of the Father, in the unity of the Spirit, he is our peace offering. It is Christ, our peace, that we enjoy. And as we come to the table, we pass the peace. And we should remind ourselves, this is not just a, hey, how you doing? Not just a friendly greeting. There's something real that's happening here. We are acknowledging, no, no. I've just confessed my sins. I've heard that Christ, the sin offering, has covered all of my sins. Therefore, I'm reconciled to God and I'm reconciled to my neighbor. I can extend my hand and say, peace be with you. Why? Because Christ is our peace offering. And it's him that we share and that we feed on at this table. We pass the peace, not just as friends or, or enemies. We pass the peace as a new humanity reconciled in the Messiah. We pass the peace and then we enjoy the peace we have in the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we eat this meal, every time we eat this meal together, we are being built up as this new humanity into a holy temple. Let's pray.